Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chemist Warehouse August catalogue sale is on now. Find a massive 30% off good health vitamins. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. There's a nice ball to Wilkinson on the left edge by Riley. She keeps it in on the byline. She measures a ball in and it's not an in. What a goal, Jackie Hand. She hung, hung in the heavens for seemingly eternity before she got a header on it and put it in the right-hand corner. Lift off in Wellington. Gilliland trying to pick out Sam Kerr. Cushioned beautifully and finished off. It's her first touch of the night. Rosie White puts it home. Sam Kerr Selfless, 4-0 Chicago. Can you believe it? It's all over! New Zealand have won the World Cup. New Zealand netball stand tall. You're back on the top of the world. So much of a due to Nolan Tarua and these women. Yeah, Philippines, give me another chance, please, 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 please. <laughs> oh, no, Lance, no. Kimpy, Ricardo, kiss. I don't know what to say, but. Ah! Oh, <laughs> ah! Ah! Oh, yeah, mate. Oh. That was a tough watch. Oh, it's got oh. to be said. I don't, okay, say it, Ricardo, please. It's I'm, I'm a New Zealand football <laughs> fan, but it's such a New Zealand football thing to do, to beat the best team in your group <laughs> and then lose to the worst. Like, just, it is oh. such a New Zealand football thing to do. When you just sleep on it and you get up and you think about it a little bit more, after last night's nil-all result, the Swiss and Norway... And we had a chance to top the pool. And you touched on it. We haven't been in this position. And that was my kind of concerns heading into this last night's uh, match against the Philippines. You know, that we had nothing to lose against the Norwegians. And, you know, when you've got that in your arsenal and you've got that desire at anything, 
where your back's against the wall mentality, you go out and you put in performance like that. When you've been in a position where you're not favoured, you know, nothing really matters. But then you're in a position where the pressure's on you, the expectations, the whole of the nation's watching you. You go out there and, and that happens. I kind of had it in the back of my mind. I never wanted to think it, but had it in the back of my mind that potentially this could happen. And, well, the Philippines need a one opportunity and Bolden gets up above them all and hits home the winner. <sighs> Lads, yeah. deflated. Yeah, I mean, it was... i, I tell you what, if, if you want some comedy reading... Uh, our WhatsApp group during that game was was just <laughs> was just hilarious. Just none of it we could probably actually read out loud on the radio uh, due to BSA complaints. But um, I, I think it was, it was an exercise in frustration for a lot of people watching that game. Yeah, it was very very frustrating. Like just from the outset, we just looked a little bit rattled. You know, like the passes weren't sticking. Uh, we looked like we were probably trying a little bit too hard. Mm. We didn't look as quick as we did against the Norwegians, you know. Like, we're a little bit off the pace. I was thinking maybe that took it out of them. Took, them out, took it out of them. Like, tactically, did we... You know, like, there was a lot of conversation. I was listening to post-match and, and, uh, on Sky Sport, and I was listening to uh, some conversations about, you know, hindsight's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Yeah, when you think post it, what chance was able to do Grace Jolly when she come on uh, long or when she uh, made a, an impact? Maybe tactically, should we have started those those players and the difference they made when they came on? But was it? It's not that you can't cannot blame the the, the starting positions and players that have started that performance. I think it was a more of a, a mental mindset for these uh, football fans. Never been in that position, eh, Gimpy? Yeah, look, I thought that they, uh, the Philippines, done a a number on us like we did on the Norwegians. You know, like they started and they just continually put pressure on us. And one of the things I've noticed about the the um, the World Cup is the aggression, the defending, especially the aggression when they're coming in to attack the ball. Like you don't really see that in the men's game because if you get too close and they just in the men's game, they pass it around and the ball can stick to their feet and they just move you around the pitch, you know, so you're not racing in all the time. But in the Women's World Cup, they race in and the girls have got that one touch, but they haven't got the it is a finesse. And that one touch and the ball goes like a metre in front of them and teams jump on it. And I think that I think in the World Cup, that's what a lot of the defence is. They're just racing and, and running out of energy, like using all their energy up and then making the changes, and hopefully they're in the game. And I thought the Philippines did what we did um, to get that one win against Norway. They did exactly that to us. We just couldn't convert. That was the other thing. How close was the offside? Like, it was a, it was a fingertip. I don't – you've brought it up. You've brought it up. You've brought up the VAR. It's been a lot of debate, Ricardo, about the VAR and that situation. Was it the right call? Was yeah. it the right call? Um, it was the right call. Unfortunately, yes. Although I, when I first saw it, I was like, I, I'm big on if you can't score with a part of your body, like the arm, for example, it shouldn't be offside, right? Okay. And then when I first saw it, I was like, oh, hang on. But then if you look, it's actually about half her face or half her head is in an offside position as well. There's not much in it, but that is the law, mm. right? That is the law. Okay. I, I was having this debate actually with what with about my her partner. feet? Where her feet, feet were behind. You score yeah. most with your feet. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's right. And this is this goes back to because my, my partner, who doesn't watch a lot, but she's like, that's bullshit. You know, she was like, nah, nah, yeah. Nah. And she goes, in football, the whole of the ball has to be over the whole of the line for it to be out or for it to be a goal, right? Mm. And she goes, and mm. your body, body can be out, but if your feet are in, it doesn't matter. So she's like, so why are they not taking offside from the feet? Because it yeah. goes against everything else they do in the game. And I was like, actually, that's that, a really that, good point. There's a lot of good points out there. There's a lot of good points. Look, and Ali Riley summed it up post it. Like, if, if Philippines had scored and the VAR, um, you know, stopped it because of a shoulder, they'd be happy with that result, you know. So you've got to take both sides to account. But this VAR has been debated for a very long time. And I don't know. I got sent a, a tweet on my Twitter because I put up a few uh, tweets throughout the, the performance. A player is in an off- offside position if he or she, any part of the head, feet or body is closer to the opponent's goal line than the second to last defender. So the head was probably the major factor in this. But most were talking about the shoulder that was uh, just in front. But yeah, look, I don't know. I don't know. Look, we can debate it all night. It wasn't a goal. We had our chances. Mm. Just go on a little bit more. Jackie Hand from the pass from um, Chance and it hits the upright. That was a genuine opportunity then and Grace Jolly towards the end. Position control, 55%. Corners, 7 and 0. We had our chances. We had all of the ball, mm. all of the ball, and we weren't able to execute um, through this. So, look, it's disappointing, and it's uh, it's going to be debated. Just on the officiating, Kempi Ricardo, I think they're officiating really well. Mm. There's a lot of times there where the ref could have stopped, up, stopped the play, the play went on, and they just allowed uh, play to continue. So there wasn't really a stop-start kind of match-up or, or, or to officiating. So have you been impressed with the officiating, Ricardo, Kempi? Yeah, I have. I think I think it's been really good. The, the only the only part is, um, like I said last night, I thought I thought some of the aggression you can give give more penalties, stop the play and give more penalties. It's sort of it's like a free for all, you know. Like when you when you're blowing the penalty, they reset and 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 you know spread out and go again. But when they just let it play on, the girls, the girls, some of the girls are out of play. Some of those hits that they were taking, they made the men. Like you said it yesterday, Izzy. If the men were getting hit like that, they would be rolling around doing flips and cartwheels oh, and all sorts. You know what I mean? <laughs> and when the girls just yeah. get down. They are actually sore. They say, like, "Oh, that hurt." And you look and you watch the slow the slow mo and go, "Yeah, that was actually that should have been a penalty." Did but, you Did you watch the? I don't know if you guys watched the Italy Argentina game, but that's probably, yeah, yeah, I watched that. That's probably been the best game of the World Cup so far, I think, because they're two quite evenly matched teams, and it was like watching. You know, and I don't want to sound disparaging here, but it was like watching the men play because there was no difference. Like the skill level in that game, the pace of that game was probably better than I've seen in most of these games in terms of two teams going at it. And the amount of niggle. I mean, like oh, two, yeah. two of the dirtiest teams in international football are Italy and Argentina in the men's game. And we saw a lot of that in the women's game as well. And there was lots of just getting in each other's ear. And if somebody went down, somebody would walk past and point the finger and give them give it, give it them a serve. And uh, no, it was great to see. I enjoyed it. But I, I think the officiating been pretty good. They've mm. let the game flow. Because mm. you don't want it to be stop-start, right? You, you want it ah. to flow because the more it flows the more opportunity there is for individual skill and for also, you know, for them to make space so more things can happen. Jitka Klimkova heading to uh, take on the Swiss. Now, the pool has been blasted wide open. You've got the Swiss on top with four points. You've got the Philippines and New Zealand in second place, second equal 
on three points, and you got the Norwegians on one point. That game last night, post the New Zealand game, Hedenberg went off mm. before the game had even started. Was warming up minute before they ran out, went off, and then obviously played out a nil or draw. We have to beat. <laughs> we have to beat the Swiss on uh, in a couple of days' time because the Philippines are going to get absolutely annihilated against the Norwegians. I feel. And if the if the Norwegians get up, they'll be on four points. What's the best case scenario for us? Win, draw. Oh, we just got to win. We just got to win. We just got to win, and we're through. Yeah, that's it. Take take it out of everybody else's hands. Like you win, and then it doesn't matter what happens in the other game. If we draw, then we kind of have to hope that there's a draw between the Philippines and Norway because we've got the Norway uh, we've got the Philippines on goal difference because they conceded two against the Swiss. So, oh come on. But you don't, Come want it, on. you don't want it to get down to maths, right? You don't want it to get down to maths. Nah. What you want to get it down to is this. The following is a triple threat match, and it is for the World Heavyweight Championship. Yes, the football ferns were disappointing last night, but it's our triple threat backing up uh, a win over the world number 12, Norway, with a loss to the world number 46, Philippines. And a lot of people were talking about the pressure of the home crowd and the expectation that they had. So all of a sudden, they're the favourites uh, and the pressure is on them. Uh, Kempi, you played in a lot of high-pressure games, if both for New Zealand and for different clubs as well. Have you ever had it where the actual the home crowd actually, uh, you know, being like, and everybody, and that expectation actually affects your performance negatively, even though they're on your side? Oh, the the added the added pressure of going out there, like I guess I guess it's like if you're in the in the flow of things, um, and sometimes you go out there and your favourites, and you actually know your favourites, and you're going to go out there and wipe them out, wipe them up. But, um, mate, so the that there last night, I'm a little bit like Izzy. You're sitting there thinking, and you're a little bit um, anxious about whether or not they're going to go out and perform because they should win and mm. and then you see that goal come down like even the way that the goal was scored it was headed directly at the goalkeeper mm. and, she, and she's fumbled it into the net more than it's gone in there um, that's what happens mate there's tons of tons of examples of the underdog stepping up to the plate when the pressure's when the pressure's not on them what about you, Izzy? And the ABs or in the Crusaders, you got the home crowd on your not on your back so much, but you know they're behind you. But there's the expectation there. Has that ever got to you or got to a team you've been part of? Uh, it's always in the back of your mind, but I guess you, you you get better at it the more opportunities and the more times you're in that position. You know, like this football ferns hasn't been in that position. So, like, there would have been a lot of thoughts you know, going through, creeping into their mind, you know, especially when they score after 24 minutes. They get in a huddle, they're looking around, they're looking at each other's eyes, there's a little bit of fear, um, disappointment going through and creeping in. Um, so, look, they'll take a lot out of this, um, but you've just got to be in those positions more and more times. Um, so, look, I wasn't, yeah, look, I kind of had it in the back of my mind, like I touched on earlier, but um, that this could potentially happen. When you're desperate and, and things are meant to happen, but they're not working, frustration can creep in. And they got frustrated last night. Mm, yeah, they did. All right, well, that's one. Two, no wars on this weekend, boys. So which <laughs> NRL game are we watching? What is your your game of the weekend? <laughs> my, oh, mine. I've got. I've actually got a couple of games on the weekend, Rick. I think um, 
I want to see Latrell Mitchell and see whether or not he can come back and, and stay on the football field. I think his special score try against the West Tigers, they are definitely struggling. Um, so it's a big one because Souths, they get another two points from a bye still to come. They win on the weekend, they go inside the eight and uh, possibly go on a roll because they've been struggling. But the big game this weekend is whether or not the Sharks can bounce back against uh, none, none other than Nathan uh, Cleary and the Panthers. Mm. So, mate, the, the, shark, the Sharks and the Eels are fighting it mm. out for ninth. You know what I mean? So one of those teams will make the eight. Um, but I don't, I don't like the look of the Sharks at the moment. 20, what was it, 30 points down, come back. They had a try, try disallowed to Mulatalo on the weekend, which probably could have got them back to a draw. But, um, geez, there's something wrong with the Sharks. I think yeah. that's. I think that those two are the games that I'm looking forward to. Is he? Yeah, I'm with Kempi. I'm with Kempi. Panthers, Sharks. Like the Sharks have been really disappointed. Panthers are just panthering on and doing what the Panthers do, but the Sharks, you know, topped four. Now they creeped out to sixth. Um, they've just looked disappointed in the last couple of weeks, and you know, like they tend to just fade towards the end of the season. They start with a hiss and a roar, and they tend to fade. So I, I think that's. The match of the round, and obviously seeing what Reese Walsh is able to do with the Broncos Roosters uh, tomorrow night, yeah, that'll be one to watch as well. And three manufactured leagues. <laughs> I'm thinking like you know the IPL Live Golf. We saw it there too. Played Sa- the wrong sport. This, yeah, the Saudi Pro League as well. Um, I, I, maybe it's an age thing. I don't care about any of these leagues because. They they've got no history, right? There's there's no there's nothing behind them. They've got no depth. They've got no substance. They've got nothing to anchor them. But is this just the culture that we're in now of this this generation of sports fans, where it's the star athlete rather than a team? Like you know, I know people, mates who have got kids who want a Messi shirt. They don't care what shirt it is. Mm. They just want one with Messi on the back or Ronaldo or whatever it is. Uh, where are you boys on this, Kempi? On the on the manufactured league, I think it's a, I think it's the way of the future. I think you're going to like. Let's not even talk sport. Let's talk esports. Like that's a manufactured league, when you think about it. So people are sitting at home. It's a manufactured they, sport. That, that's right. So they're sitting at home. They're playing games. They can be the best rugby. They can be Israel Dag. You know what I mean? They can be Max Verstappen. They can be whoever they want to be. Tiger Woods, LeBron James. Um, and I think I think what sports doing is they're going well we need to change up our game like this this Saudi this Saudi pro league in the live golf I reckon I reckon be careful mate they might take rugby they might take whatever they can to get up there and, and, and create um, those opportunities to play competitions I just think it's we've just you know think about it embryonic at the moment isn't it imagine what it's going to look like in 10 years time yeah yeah well, <laughs> well that, that's the thing what about what about you is he I'm a little bit concerned to be honest, I, I, look, I, I'm concerned that the really wealthy and the really clubs that have got a hell of a lot of money are just going to get so far ahead that the clubs that have had so much history and been able to encourage star players that have come through the grades and come through the pathways to, to be a part of their club are going to get left behind. Mm. You know, like when you've got clubs like in, in Al Halal over in Saudi Arabia throwing out ridiculous amounts of money for these big players. Yes, it's all part and parcel, and that's their, their right because they've you know, got a hell of a lot of money. But the, I, I just worry about the effects of other clubs. You know, like you think of, um, you know, I used to follow the Scottish League, and you've got the Rangers, mm. you've got the Celtics, you know, like 
clubs like that that have got so much history, but they can't compete. So they're just going to get left behind. So yeah. I think that's just the way and way of the sport at the moment. But where does this stop? You know, like that money is ludicrous. Six hundred million a year pound. You know, you, you do that in, in months, fifty million you've sent this through the WhatsApp group. Eleven point five million pound a week. Crazy. You know? And then you got all the basketballers, Giannis and Utakumbo. Um you know, uh, not Utakumbo. Um Antakumbo. I forgot his name. Yeah, that's yeah. His name. Giannis over there for the Bucks going, Oh, I'll play I'll play for them for that <laughs> kind of money and he's on about a billion a year as well. So Oh yeah, I'm concerned if I'm going to be completely honest. Yeah, yeah, I think I think a lot uh, a lot of people will be, but uh, it's that next Not generation the players. appealing to no, the players don't care, <laughs> do they? The players nah. certainly don't care. <laughs> I just had a look. There's somebody's put together a Saudi Pro League eleven. So all the players that have been signed by the Saudi League: uh, Mendy, the Chelsea goalkeeper, in goal; mm. Tellez, Manchester United fullback; Kubali. Kulabali, the Chelsea centre-back, uh, Kante, the Chelsea midfielder, Milinkovic-Savic from Lazio, Neves from Wolves, Benzema from Real Madrid, Firmino from Liverpool, and potentially Mbappe, and you haven't even put Cristiano Ronaldo in there. <laughs> Look, from a from an entertainment factor, I can see the positives. You know, like, as fans, we want to see our players sprinkled around the world. Um, but I'd love to hear from you at home, double eight, double three. Do you like manufactured uh, leagues? You know, you've seen a lot in the IPL. There's so much money going into that event. The LIV Golf. You've got the Saudi Pro League. Uh, you've got the MLS over in America. And American sports are starting to evolve. They've got rugby. Uh, they've got uh, plenty of other sports that are starting to evolve. Are you a fan of it? Can you see a future of it? And where does uh, the button stop? You know, imagine in 10 years, 20 years' time, £700 million a year will probably be the norm will probably be the norm. So there's plenty coming up on our show as well. We've got Dame Nolene Tolua coming up in a, in a wee while's time. We're going to talk to Brad Moore, the Scotland coach, former Crusaders and All Blacks coach. We've got football fans with Rosie White. We've got Judd Flavel. We found finally tracked him down, lads. I think he's been a bit, little bit crook. I don't know if you have to go see the doctor for that, that sickness. But anyway, we'll have to wait and see. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Keeping you healthy this winter. Chemist Warehouse August catalogue sale is on now. Find a massive 30% off good health vitamins. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Yes, welcome back. Got a couple of messages coming through the Temper Bedpost text machine. Double eight, double three. Chris, he got paid. Oh, he got paid. I got the Philippines. He got on the Philippines at $9. Head to head, Chris. Chris, Chris, Chris. That is a hell of a bet. But how... Did you go against our football ferns? Well done. Well done. Well done. And John sent a message through. Easily the best ferns team I've ever seen. Unfortunately, I think they are too drilled. Switch passes to the wings, cross, react. I just want to see them shoot more. Seems they'd rather take a cross than a shot. Hell of a team, though, boys. Won't stop backing them. What a spectacle. How lucky we are. Yeah, they did look pretty... Pretty drilled, didn't they? They kept going backwards, going to the edges, getting down the side. Like Once they just kicked the ball through for Hannah Wilkinson and Jackie Hand, they started getting a lot of impetus. So, yeah, maybe some just fear, chance your arm and just go at it against the 
against the Swiss uh, Ricardo. Oh, that's what I'd love to see. Well, I, I was actually quite surprised that they took India Paige Riley off when they did because she is, mm. you know, I know they brought on um, Annalie Longo and Olivia Chance, who are both very good ball players, but you want a player who's going to, you know, if you've got a structured team like the Philippines who have got a five. Like mm. five people at the back, five defenders, three hundred back. Yep. Yeah, you want somebody who's <laughs> who's got the ability to take a player out by beating them, and and yeah. India Page Riley had that. So I was surprised that they took her off because I didn't think Jackie Hand had a great first half. She came better in the mm. second half, but I so I thought that they Riley, may have gone. I that thought way. Riley was their best player down yep. down that left edge, and I, I just think sometimes too when the girls go to hit the ball, they don't really believe in their foot. You know, they sort of tentatively hit it. Yeah. Whereas just, you know, I think some of the best goals I've seen so far in the uh, World Cup is the girls that get really confident with hitting it. Beautiful. I'm a supporter, man. I'm absolutely loving this FIFA Football Women's World Cup. It's so good to watch. And uh haven't watched a hell of a lot of football before, but, man, I'm becoming a fan. Uh, the VAR, well, that's debatable. But anyway, <laughs> we'll shoot off. We've got Dame Nolene Taurua coming up. We'd better get to her. But before then, here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. New Zealand have won the World Cup. New Zealand netball stand tall. You're back on the top of the world. So much of a due to Nolan Tarua and these women. Yes, welcome back. Love hearing that little highlights reel from 2019 in Liverpool. Four years ago, now we cross our minds over to South Africa and we're joined by coach Dame Nolene Taurua as they prepare to take on Trinidad and Tobago later on in this week for the first match of the World Cup. Dame Nolene Taurua, we appreciate your time. How are you doing? How have you been settling in South Africa? Yeah, thank you for the call, guys. Hi, um... Look, we've been here maybe four or five days. We've just moved from Bantry Bay into Cape Town and we're on our final stage. So our first game's on Friday and honestly, we've, we've done with training. We've just had enough and we're ready to play. I bet, I bet you've been uh, putting them through their paces, getting them really, their bodies, their minds set for uh, heading on to, to Friday night, taking on Trinidad and Tobago. You're taking... You've got a relatively new squad in comparison to the last cycle. What's the build-up been like? Have you been focusing? Who's been standing out to to really leading from the front to make, ensure you girls are, and ladies are ready to, to take this and hopefully retain the World Cup? Yeah, look, we have. We've got a different, definitely um, a different squad. Mm. Um, we haven't got the fossils, so to speak. So in this <laughs> current cycle with this team, we're... We're 380 80 caps uh, less, mm. um, but we've got a great balance, I think, of experience, plus also that youthful, I always think youthful exuberance that's coming through. <laughs> Some of the new new players, um, you know, we know that they could be around for another two to three cycles, um, but I think that adds to the excitement of the possibilities of this team. So we've settled in, they've been training really hard and, you know, we've got new systems out there. So we just need teams to get out and play against so we know, I suppose, uh, how good or not we are and then what the next steps need to be as we build towards the business end. Morning, uh, morning. Uh, just on the, um, it's a pretty big five, uh, five games that you've got in seven days. If you make it to the final, like, Nolan, what what um, 
preparations like you have geared you up for those, especially the first three, which are you know bang, 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 day after day to get you to, to make sure you're right for this tournament. Yeah, look, uh, our preparation probably started about. It actually probably started after the last World Cup, if I'm going to be honest. You know, you're looking like a, at least three years to start to build that that depth and the next crop of players coming through. Um, we came over here in January just to test the venue, played against another three or four teams, and we used the ANZ to build the capacity or the, um, the conditioning. So by the time we entered into selections, we were already at a higher level and it was just about us fine-tuning or getting the combinations, putting new systems out on court. So at the moment, physically, we're ready to take those back-to-back-to-back games, um, and we've been building for a few years now to ensure that we could do it. For yourself, Nolene, you've been uh, in the hot seat for a wee while now, but 2018, you took over the head coaching role, then you went straight to World Cup, you were able to get the results. Now you've got four years in the hot seat to get this team prepared. What have you had to adjust for yourself to ensure that you're ready come 2023? Yeah, I think the biggest thing um, is, is, well, we always go, I always go backwards to go forwards to some respect. Um, I look at our old debriefs and not only what happened in 2019, but, you know, 10 years back look for those common themes to make sure that we're crossing off all the boxes and and not taking things for granted. I think, you know, just because you've done it before, it doesn't mean it's going to happen again and feeling comfortable about that. So we did a lot of research, uh, you know, talked to a lot of other teams and what are the things that derail you. Um, But I think as well is that um, understanding that we've got different personnel now you know, we don't have the experience that we did in 2019, but looking at the ones for what they have, the uniqueness, the character, you know, all those things that make them special and and knowing that this current group, um, making it special for them, not necessarily reminiscing about the past, but knowing that that is history and we've got something that we can build on, but it's unique to them. Um, so, you know, we've been pumping them up a wee bit, but also they've been working really hard once again to get to the stage. Nels, have you settled on any combinations at the moment? You know, uh, that's once again in the old days or, you know, the, the 2019 <laughs> I had a clear seven. Uh, and this one has proved probably going back to your other question, um, and I'm a traditionalist. I always go with a you know a, a set a set seven, and then you work uh, changes in and around that. But with this current group, it's very hard to be actually have a seven because <laughs> each person brings something different. And I'm finding I might be able to match different people up depending on our opposition. So I'm finding that quite interesting in myself because I'm going into new rounds, but also exciting to see what we can do. Knowles, there's been a lot of trouble over the ditch um, off the court for the Aussies. Um, the players obviously at odds with uh, the governing body, uh, talk about you know money and, and uh, CBAs and all that sort of stuff. Where do you think the Aussies are at at the moment? Yeah, you know, sometimes I, I, 
I like to celebrate sometimes when I think they might be having a fight against with each other. Um, but you know what I've also learned in the past is they blimmin' get closer and they get more fiercer. You know, so um, there is still that uh, discussions that they are having with their contracting, and as I understand, uh, that contracting probably won't be fixed until after the Netball World Cup. You know, so they are probably in a delicate position for them as individuals, knowing you know what's going to happen for them in, in regards to the dosh getting in the bank account. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm thankful for our our position that we're not in that same uh, same space. So um, I know, like always, like they always do, they usually park it, and as I say, they come together when they need to. Who is the biggest threat? Come the tournament time. Australia, we know what they're able to possess. They'll be there come the end of the tournament. But there's been a lot of talk about the Jamaicans that potentially could upset a lot and push for a title. Yeah, look, we played Jamaica in uh, Commonwealth Games. um, And I actually think now we've got a different squad. We've got a bit more firepower coming back in. Uh, with you know a couple of other players that who were senior players but weren't available for Commonwealth Games, so they definitely gave us a tickle up. Um, I think they beat us by something like 16 in Commonwealth Games, um, and we weren't even in the same league. So they would definitely be vying for gold, like we are, like Australia are. Um, England's always up there. They've always been once again our nemesis, um, and we've always had a great wrestle with them. I think, you know, you're looking at a top four team and probably with a squeeze maybe of South Africa and knowing when South Africa play like any other sport, rugby or whatever in their home place, man, they get, they grow five arms, seven legs um, and they're more (laughs) fierce on court. So that's what we would expect when we take them on again. Nolene, I've spent a bit of time in uh, South Africa and uh, constantly had uh, Gordon Titchens and Steve Hansen sitting at the breakfast table ensuring we don't have uh, omelettes and eggs and a bit of bacon for breakfast. Are you doing the same? We know what the cuisine is like in South Africa. Oh, wow. Um, Well, it's actually interesting because we were over here in January and these omelettes here are like next level, man. They are just beautiful. But we also learned when we were over here in January, we came out with a bug. Um, and that, that <laughs> took some of the players out for at least a good two or three weeks. So we were sort of thinking, is there some, I don't know, maid or something that's trying to poison us? Or I don't know. Oh, Susie, the waitress. I know. I will erase that from this recording. Um, <laughs> but hey, we've actually worked at our protocols too, so... Uh, we're making sure that we, you know, we just take extra care in what we're eating, our filtered mm. water, you know, all these sort of things that we're just mindful of. You'll be all over it. You'll be all over it, Dame, uh, Dame Nolene Tauroa, and uh, you'll be enjoying that bry at the end of this tournament if you're able to get that success. Uh, they got the beautiful meats over there, but thank you so much. All the best oh, for the rest of the tournament. We you. appreciate your time. Thanks, New Zealand, guys. we're right behind you. Awesome, thanks there guys. Oof, there you go. Hey, is that a little, are you going to trying to get poison? What is it about South Africa <laughs> and food poisoning, lads? Hey, another, I'll tell you what, the food is one. good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mate, she was good. Like, um, not giving too much away too on the on the mm. combinations, obviously with the, with the younger team and 
um, losing all that experience. She's got ooh, she's got a big job on her hands. Hopefully the Australians, they are, just with that CBA um, conflict that they're having with the organisation, they are a little bit at sixes and sevens because they're, they're definitely their team to beat. But they've got three games, um, one after the each, each other, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I think it is. Um, mm. And the, and then they've got a, a Saturday Sunday semi final if it go if they go through to it. So it's a big big week of uh, nipple for them. It was interesting to hear that she hasn't been settled on her seven yet. No, you know when you when you think of a, a team that Dame Nolan Total is coach, you'd you know who the seven is. You know who one one is, and that's Grace Nowicki. She'll be in the goal. But mm. outside of that, Kez, I know you're all over this tournament and the squad. Is it is it as easily picked as probably you think, or do you reckon like she's having problems selecting her first seven and the best team? I think she's completely bang on with that. Uh, she is so lucky that they have the ability this year to, to match up. Um, like she mentioned, um, mid-court, is, we've obviously lost 380 caps all across the board, but it's our mid-court that really, um, I guess, suffered is the wrong word because we still have the calibre of players there that we need. But I think Amelia Anikinasio locks herself in being the captain of the squad. Um, Gina Crampton as well, she's currently uh, amongst the Silver Ferns as the highest-capped player in this World Cup team. So I think she goes in there. I think there's just a few little debates around uh, who starts at centre, who starts at wing D, which are reasonably pretty big positions. But I think you're right. It's going to be a really big tournament for Grace Wickey Dagger, and we're just going to have to keep watching her. And, and we know how she's grown over the last three to four years. So really interesting to see her go to her first World Cup. Yeah, beautiful, mate. And uh, you think of the layout of the tournament, that the preparation heading into this, they would have got absolutely smashed by Nolan Tauroa. So uh, awesome to hear from Dan Nolan Tauroa. We're wishing them all the best. The Silver Ferns heading over uh, over in South Africa, taking on Trinidad and Tobago. We'll shoot off and we'll come back because we've got some headlines with Rick Doll. Right now at Chemist Warehouse, find a flam sore throat spray, 30 mil for only $18.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Yeah, we're nine away from seven o'clock. Uh, doing the heads a little bit later than usual. Power your business with Bunning Trade Power Pass. The FIFA Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand is already a resounding success just six days into the tournament. Thanks to record attendances, they have sold 1.5 million tickets so far. Oh, across the so two host nations. There were 117,000 fans on the opening day across Eden Park and uh, Stadium Australia. And they have also, uh, that 75,784 they had at Stadium Australia for the Aussie Republic of Ireland match was the highest attendance at a FIFA Women's World Cup for 24 years. Only six days into the tournament, they've already exceeded their sales target of 1.5 million tickets for 64 matches. Um, after Tuesday's game between Korea and Colombia, which completed the first round of matches, total attendance over the first 16 games, 460,000 at an average of 28,700. 54% increase compared to the first 16 games of the last tournament. So going great guns. That's awesome, mate, because there was a lot of concern leading into this tournament in typical Kiwi fashion, a lot of walk-ups, a lot of people jumping on the wagon and getting a part of this, but awesome. Great to hear that uh, they've sold plenty. I did, I did see something that made me laugh, uh, you know, because you can't compare sports <laughs> and you can't compare eras, but uh, Italy, Argentina at Eden Park on a Monday night, like, you know, a, a school night, if you like, and no New Zealand team involved, 31,000 turned up, and somebody was like, 
Last time Italy and Argentina played in the World Cup here was 1987, and I think it was at Rugby Park in Southland in 2000 turned up. So they're like, look, well, you know, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a big difference. It's a big difference. Um, but those, uh, those results uh, yesterday as well. Uh, are interesting um, with the Colombians getting up 2-0 over Korea who were pretty disappointing it's got to be said uh, then of course nil all between Norway and Switzerland and the Football Ferns losing 1-0 to the Philippines Ada Hegerberg did a groin and warm up apparently felt a groin go mm. so I don't know if we're going to see much of her in the tournament which would be disappointing uh, South Africa have made nine changes to their side for the final rugby championship fixture against Argentina. I'll give you that team after 7 o'clock, and we'll get your all-black team, actually. We'll do that. But right now, let's uh, head away. When we come back, Kempi's got love racing. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Yeah, it's, it's a couple of minutes away from 7 o'clock. 0800-150-811. Find a thoroughbred race date events.loveracing.nz. And as he touched on it yesterday, because at Rickerton Park this weekend, Love Racing New Zealand, the TAB, are supporting Cure Kids uh, with the Rickerton Park Red Nose Race Day. We're grateful for the support of Rickerton Park and Love Racing New Zealand who are holding the event of our largest appeal for the year, Red Nose Day. Cure Kids Head of Partnerships, Amanda Piper Randall said, in support of the charity and each race on the card, the Canterbury Jockey Club Chief Executive Tim Mills will elect one runner to wear the Red Nose Day skills. It's up to Tim to pick a winner in each one of those races so they can get paid. Um, our goal is as the Jockey Club is very simple to support the Cure Kids. And the Cure Kids uh, puts the aim of the big research for little lives at the forefront of their philosophy, which is by donating. You can do that uh, to the Red Nose Day. You'll be supporting Cure Kids and groundbreaking research to save. There's racing today at Cambridge, and I like Mr McNabb. I reckon you can follow him today. Just look at him riding all the favourites. Uh, Kakadu, Jimmy Dean, Ka Ying, Lucky, Stony Brick are the four that I like. Um, and Luxuriant, maybe five if you're lucky, and you'll get paid. That's our Love Racing update. And with that, grab your mates and get on course. Visit events.loveracing.nz to find a race day near you. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Right now at Chemist Warehouse, find a flam sore throat spray, 30ml for only $18.99. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. And that's it, Mark Max Darling with the ball. Time winds down on the Sales NBL 2023 season. Sam Kerr cushioned beautifully and finished off. It's her first touch of the night. Rosie White puts it home. Sam Kerr, selfless. 4 0 Chicago. They can smell it. They can taste it. They can feel it. They have it. The Philippines. Hold on. Philippines, an earth-shattering result, a soul-crushing defeat for New Zealand. 
Bolden's goal after 24 minutes, the difference between the two sides. And the Philippines in their very first World Cup have beaten the co-hosts by one goal to nil. Yes, welcome back. You know what time it is. It is Tradies Hour with Night and Day. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local Night and Day. Dunedin is our next outing. Your turn, Dunedin. And, well, there's a hell of a night and day right there at the Octagon where all the football fans will be enjoying after that victory. After we take on the Swiss and we get on top of them. And just a quick one before we get to you, Rick Dog. This is a great one from Stephen because there was a lot of counting in the crowd last night, a lot of booing, a lot of hoo-haring going on from our fans. Good morning, gentlemen. Hope you're all well. Great effort by the Kiwi Ferns last night. Football Ferns, keep your heads up, ladies. As for their keeper, when we used to go to the Rangers <laughs> in the Army, they used to say to us, targets will fall when hit. They must have been a sniper in the crowd because every time the keeper got the ball, she went down like a sack of potatoes. Have a great day, Steve-O. <laughs> that was so funny, Rick Dog. The keeper was just doing her very best to slow it all down. To wind that clock down. Yeah, she was. She was. And I, they, was, they were yelling too, weren't they? They were yelling at the, uh, the sideline and the referee to tell her to try and get the game sped up. But... No, fair, fair, fair. She uh, must have a sore quad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you see, Yuki Klingdova, <laughs> when the board went up for five minutes at a time, she was like, five minutes? Come on. There's been five minutes of the keeper lying on the ground, let alone anything else. I think, I think as he sent that text, then, uh, well, where's our nine minutes? Yeah. Oh, mate, yeah. Honestly. <laughs> Sent the tweet through. That was crazy to think we didn't get any more time. But, hey, plenty to debate about that. And we've got Rosie White coming after uh, 8 o'clock. And I've got a few questions because I can't get this VAR situation out of my head. And I want to dive into that a little bit more. But there's rugby coming up, uh, Ricardo, in Australia. They're taking on... Oh, no, South Africa taking on Argentina, and they've announced their team. Yeah, they have named their team, and they've made nine changes from the team uh, that played the All Blacks. Now, this mm. game is at Alice Park, so Malcolm Marks is going to get his first start of the season, which yep. I think after that uh, performance off the bench against the ABs is definitely deserved. He's, he's an absolute beast. And Kurtley uh, Arendenser on the wing as well. So they've uh, he's made... Uh, Coach has made a whole bunch of changes here. So Willie LaRue starts at fullback. Cheslin Colby and Ardenta are on the wings. Jesse Creel's going to be in the 13. Damien Dalende uh, mm. is going to be in the 12. So Arm goes to the bench. It's interesting as well. Get your take on this, uh, Izzy. They've gone to a 5-3 split, right? Because they, they have been rolling a 6-2 split uh, forwards and backs in the first two games. Of the teams that you're going to carry six forwards against, I would have thought the Argies would be the team you'd do that against because they're probably the bigger, more physical forward pack that you know want to grunt it up the middle. Yeah, I think they've got enough firepower on the bench to be able to handle the the Argentinian side. So potentially where they want to beat them is is try and run them around the paddock. I think they'll match them up front with the the forwards at, at play. Who's starting ten? I think that's the big question. Have Manny, they gone for Valimsa? No, Manny Labot. Leboc, they're yeah. going for Leboc. That's a that's a good call for them. I, I think uh, Willemsa uh, against the All Blacks was a bit scratchy. They still haven't got any surety at ten. Um, I think he'll bring a lot of that there. To he's a young player. He's only a small man, but he's an exciting player. So I'm happy with that change. Um, 
the the Ford pack, you got Malcolm Marks. Well, you need to start Malcolm Marks week in, week out. We know what he can do for that South African side. So, uh, what else? Who's starting six? Uh, so well, they've got Dwayne Vermeulen at eight, and then Peter Steffi Toy mm. and Marco Van Staden uh, in the back row. Then got Marvin Ori and Evan Etzebeth in the locks. And then Marks mm. is going to be uh, in the middle of Franz Malherber and Stephen Kitsoff. So that is a big front row. And uh, Grant Williams makes his first international start at fullback, uh, at halfback as well. So no faff to clerk. Beautiful. Yeah, look, Peter Steff the toy. He, he um, was a big change in that uh, second half for the South African side. I'm happy with his starting uh, at sixth position. Mostert, is he a seven? I thought Quagga Smith enough to probably potentially get another opportunity. But hey, we're only a couple of weeks out and it makes for a good case is where do the All Blacks go? Mm. You know, where, where do the All Blacks head to now? We're a couple of weeks out. Do they cha- have any changes? Where are the changes going to happen? 0800 150 We're going to talk All Black selections. They're going to announce their team tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to know where the All Blacks are, who's starting and potentially... I, I cannot see, Kempi, them changing too much. Too much of a change for the All Blacks. They've got to go to this Melbourne Cup. They win this, they, they retain the Bledisloe Cup. If I'm going to see any change or any opportunities, it's going to be the second test in Dunedin. If there is a change, it could potentially be at midfield. Anton Leonard-Brown, 60 tests for them coming back in. You know, Geordie Barrett, Rico Iwani have had back-to-back performances in that jersey. Are we happy with them retaining that? Or do we want to see an Anton Leonard-Brown? If there is any changes, Kempe, who do you see? I see two changes. I see um, possibly Sam Kane not playing, and they're going mm-hmm. to Dalton Papali um, because of that neck injury. So I think they'll wrap him up in cotton wool after that game against South Africa. And I'm thinking that um, Narala comes onto the wing. I think they'll want to have a look at him, and I think he'll offer a bit more um, onto that left wing. You know, you know. So I don't know. I don't know whether they'll change that midfield. I, I actually, mate, we're watching the game there. I actually like the way that the midfield were performing. I think that directness. Mm. You know how they've changed up. They, they're trying to take it on the ad line and build some momentum be, behind that midfield. I think if they changed it out now, that they, they, you know, two games into it working would probably be the wrong thing to do. I'd say they give them another another crack at it, just building that structure. So who plays eight? If we're going to have uh, Artie at eight, Dalton at seven, six is Shannon Frizzell. So that's the change that you're thinking. And you're thinking Narawa goes on the left wing? Left wing. Yeah, I'm a little bit unsure. What about Leicester Fying Anuku? He hasn't had an opportunity. Does he get a crack to have it on the weekend? Or, you know, like if there's going to be a change and you're going to take Mark Talia out of the side... Narawa, Fying Anuku, who are you more comfortable with? Well, I wasn't, I wasn't happy with the way that Talia... Um Mark Talia um, defended. I thought he got caught yeah. out quite a lot. And I thought um, Narala was really good on the first test against the Argentinians. Like they went to him nice and early, and he he looked really at ease. Um, mm. And of course, you know, he took his try well as as well. Oh, half a dozen, one or the other. They're going so well. You wouldn't want to. I'm just saying, you wouldn't want to make too many unforced changes with the way that they're going. And I think you've, you've sort of nailed it on the head. Does Sam Whitelock get a crack? You know, that, that'd mm. be the other one. Um, but other than that, I can't see that too too many more more happening because they'd want to, one, they tie up the Bledisloe, tie up the championship with this game, and maybe it's the one in Dunedin that they go, right, now let's have a look at 
a uh, couple of others. Leicester Fuanuku, I just think, like you touched on that yesterday, I think because he's heading up to the UK and whether or not mm. they, they think that he's probably going to actually make the World Cup squad that they might just let him go. Are you concerned? Are you a little bit worried, Ricardo Kempi, about this Australian team? I know the media has given them no chance. We've potentially given them no chance. But you look to last year when New Zealand went over to Melbourne and they won in that last minute when Bernard Foley took an age to kick it and Raynell makes the decision to award the ball back to the All Blacks. They score and they win in the last minute in dying moments. But before then, after Super Rugby and what went on, Everyone thought we'd pummel them, punish them. I think the biggest difference this time is that they 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 don't have a coach who's as good, or as good at mm. combating the All Blacks. You know, I mean, you people, the amount of stick that Dave Rennie took with this all uh, with the Wallabies team, right? And now you look at what Eddie Jones has been able to do with the same team. His his results have been worse, and I know he's new to the gig, but with the, the experience he's got, the know how, the nous, uh, the man management that Eddie Jones has got. I think everybody, including you know the Phil Kearns of this world, would have been expecting better from the Wallabies. And you know, with them going mm. to the MCG, like we've seen, we've seen teams underdogs on the big stage step up and perform in front of. Them. It'd be interesting to see how many fans actually show up there. Uh, I mm. talked to Smithy about it yesterday when we just before we handed over the show. He doesn't think that it'd be sold out for, for the the test. Uh, you know, even if they get 60,000 screaming fans there, they'll how how do the Australians perform on the back of that? You can't write them off. Like you can't write an international team off. But you'd have to say, given the form of the last two games from the All Blacks, that they're just too good across the park. They, you know, man for man, if you put them down one to fifteen, and even coming off the bench, like our bench is just lethal. You know, they just they shouldn't they should never be in the game. The Australians on the weekend. No, so I mean, that, and that's the thing. I mean, ALB. You mentioned him. He might be a change, but I, mm. I think he's perfect. You know, if you're going to play a World Cup final tomorrow, for example, I think he's perfect bench cover because he he covers twelve and thirteen for you, and you start with Geordie and, and Rico. But I don't know if that that that's how they're going to look at this game. I think that's Braden Enor's, um, you know, plus side to him is he can cover wing, he can cover the centre position. Um, you know, Anton started his Super Rugby career. Who would have thought on the wing? So he could potentially push out there and play play there as well. Look, there's a lot of selection. I think the starting fifteen picks itself. I don't think you change too much. Um, you you want cohesion. You want continuity heading to the World Cup. So the starting fifteen kind of picks itself. But I think the bench is where we get interesting. Mm. You know, is there a chance for a Cam Royguard to come in and have a have a crack? Haven't seen him yet. You know, we're going to the World Cup soon, and We've got Smith, uh, Christie, and we've got Roygaard. And we've seen both of them, but we haven't seen one. The hooker role. You know, we've got two experienced players, or is Sammy Sonny Tokiaho playing so well that you just cannot leave him out? You know, the, the, the extra lock, Sammy Whitelock. Has he done enough? The experience, what he's done in the past. Is he going to be on the bench to cover? Is he going to start? To Bovai can cover six and five and lock position. So I, I think that's where it gets interesting. I think that's where we potentially might see some interest once the team's named. We know that um, Fozzie is a big fan of Luke Jacobson as well. And mm. Kempi brought it mm. up. You know, Dalton Papley goes into seven potentially. Or do we see Artie go to seven and Jacobson off the back? Ooh. He's the only one that can I'd, go I'd there, like, isn't he? Because he's, he's the only big mm. body. You're a fan of Artie at seven, Kimpy. Oh, I am. I think oh, Artie would be I, great seven. Mm, I, I, don't, 
Look, I think Dalton's capable of fulfilling that role. Um, but I'm just unsure. I haven't seen enough on international level to be sure that he could be the man that could can nail that role if if he's been given that task. Um, so look, there's just a, a little bit of doubt that's crept in with with Dalton at the moment. So if there was a day where Sam came and is injured, who takes over the skipper role and who who takes over the seven role? I'd probably be more comfortable with Artie Savia slipping into seven and then potentially chucking Luke Jacobson on the back. Luke Jacobson has concrete shoulders. He's good off the back of the ball, but man, defensively and over the ball, he adds another dynamic. So if there was that day where Sam Kane's out, I'd rather be comfortable with Artie Savia at seven, Luke Jacobson at the back. So I could see that happening, Rick Dog Kempe. Yes, it, I think what, you see, what you're looking at is you've looked at what the coaches have done for the last two games. And then you're mm. going, are they going to be making the, like what we're talking about are players that we haven't even seen getting brought into a, into such a critical game. And I, I can't see it happening. I, th- I think mm. you're right talking about it in Dunedin. And the other thing too is if you have a look at the Springboks and the way that they've approached the three games, mate, they've made drastic changes to their side. You don't know what team they're going to show up at, mm. at the World Cup with. And yet you see how they played their their three changes come on after half time, make a massive difference, get them back into the game. Imagine if those three blokes started, you know. Mm. So I think there is a little bit of ducks and drakes going on at the moment with other teams, um, just mm. settling on teams for the World Cup. I think with us, it looks like we're more settling on a team. And yep. and if yep. there's and if there's changes, there's probably just one or two. Really interesting, you say that about players not making the World Cup. Like I think you need X Factor at the World Cup. You know, mm. you just don't need solid players, but you're going to need players that can score points and turn games, because there'll be there'll be tight games here that we uh, that we get into, and it ain't going to be just roll it, you know, put it up your jumper and and carry the ball forward. You're going to need some X factor. Hi guys, what about Dallas McLeod? I think it's a yeah. I've been asked this a couple of times, lads. Um, he got, obviously got selected into the squad. Thank you, my darling, for my coffee. He got selected into the squad uh, at the start of this announcement for the All Blacks. I think, if I'm going to be completely honest, I don't think Dallas gets cracked. I just think there's too much in the midfield for Dallas um, to have an opportunity. And then you've got David Harvilli playing for Tasman. I, I just think this was an opportunity to get a closer look at Dallas McLeod for the future when you know we lose a couple of players. Jack Goodhue's off over, overseas. So for Dallas, he's just going to have to wait his time and he'll get an opportunity as well. Double eight, double three, send us a message through on the Temper Bedpost text machine. If there are any changes, where would you like those changes to be made? If Sam Kane is unavailable, who takes over the captaincy role? Does Scott Barrett potentially get a chance to don the captain's armband? Keep them coming through 0800 if you want to be brave enough to give us a call. A couple of messages here, lads. I'll just read them out. One from John. Why does Leicester feel so underrated right now? Are we forgetting how many tries he scored this season, how many rucks he cleared. Is it literally because he's going to front? What's going on? I rate him so highly, even as an Aucklander lads. Fair point. Yeah, it is. It is a fair point. And and the sooner they change that rule, the better, so that we stop having this conversation. Mm. I mean, you know, you'd have to say, as a left wing option, he's been in better form in the Super Rugby. He's season been the best. He's been the best Caleb winger Clark. in the competition. Yeah, mm. you know, you look at look at what he did in the semi final and the final. And you're mm. talking about all these other players playing in front of him. Like, Leicester Fuanuku should be the number one player on the team. The reason why he's not on there is because he's heading overseas and, they, and they've got a rule that says you can't do that. 
If he's available, you select him. Mm-hmm. If he's available, you select him. He hasn't been available the last couple of weeks. So that's why they haven't been able to select him. So we'll know tomorrow if he's going to be there. But if he's available, Rick Dog, you get him in that squad. Yeah, I mean, does that mean that you're not going to select Jack Goodhue either? <sighs> you know what I mean? I mean, why, yeah. why is it different? Mm. No, no, I, I don't think... Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think him heading over France is going to be... Because Fozzie's got nothing to lose. You know, like, Fozzie doesn't care. Fozzie wants the best players to be a part of the squad. And him heading over France, and if NZR were saying, you cannot pick them, he's heading over France, he'll look at them back and say, well, you look how you treated me. Why should I listen to you? No chance. So I, I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think it's just at the moment he's been injured and he hasn't been available. And if he's available, you put him in that squad. And you put him in that team, knowing what he's able to do. So, so are you are you one to say that if you were in that jersey, okay, on mm. that day, you were the best player in the country in that jersey? Yes. On that day, so you are. The- so, if they put Caleb Clark on the left wing, for instance, and they put Cam Roygaard in at halfback, and they play um, Dalton Papali on the on the seven, that's the best All Black team we got on the day. If everyone's available? Yes. If everyone's available. No. 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 That's the point. That's my point. Like, What's that, your point? What, what do you mean? My, my point is they're not selecting the best players to play in the all-black jersey. Like who? Leicester hasn't been available, Kimpy. Yeah, no. I'm, what I'm saying is when you're available, instead of putting the rotation, because what we're talking about is rotation and putting players in and giving them a chance and whether or not they get a chance – where, where is the time when players actually just got picked in that team because they were the best player to play in that position? Some positions and some players, we don't know who the best players are. Like halfback, we've got Aaron Smith, but I don't know who our second best is. I, I just I don't think it's Finlay Christie, and I don't know about Cam Roygaard. Our second best is potentially heading to France later this year to play for Star France. So I think the ones, the positions that are easy to le- easily picked are the best players in that position in the team, but the ones that we just don't know about are debatable. You know, like I've just, I'm just unsure. Um, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. But yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of unsureness with the, some certain positions. Mm. I love it. Love it. Passionate as anything. Keep them coming through. <laughs> double eight, double three. Uh, let us know. 0800 Give us a call. We're waiting for you. Don't be shy. This is Tradies Hour, and we want to hear from you. So you're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Keeping you healthy this winter. 28 minutes past 7 o'clock. Call us anytime. 0800 Don't forget, you can warm up with a hell of a coffee at uh, our Great supporter here, night and day. It's only four bucks fifty, is he? You can get one of them. Get me two. That's nine bucks. You got ten bucks in your pocket. Head on down to night and day, your local, and get that for us. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. How many times have we seen the underdog come over the top of the favourite and create an upset that no one ever saw coming? 
Well, we'll have a look at the Challenge Cup semi-finals in the UK last weekend. Lee Centurions and Hull KR upset their more illustrious opponents, St Helens and Wigan, respectively, to secure themselves a place in the 2023 final showpiece at Wembley. How good. That's going to be a great one. SKD coming on the show next week. What about the 2015 Rugby World Cuppers when Japan defeated heavy favourites South Africa under tutelage of Eddie Jones? And I couldn't say too much this morning because I didn't want to let off the back fence out. I can still see that winning try being scored in the joy on the Jap- uh, Japan team's faces. 2008 saw the Kiwis lift the World Cup after defeating the heavily supported Kangaroos. I certainly remember dancing around that one when the Australian team being touted as the best ever Kangaroo team just got absolutely owned. One of the best nights of my life. And this weekend will be glued to our television as two teams try to do the impossible and create their own piece of history by beating the favourites. The All Blacks, they come up against Australia, the team coached by the very bloke that helped Japan create the piece of history in 2015. I'm wondering, can Australia do the unthinkable? And talking about fields of dreams, this Sunday in Dunedin, our football ferns have to leave nothing out on the pitch. I've got to go out and get everything especially the points. They simply must defeat the more fancied Swiss to advance to the top 16. I'm e- if e- um, even an underdog need to rise to the top, then this is the time to do it. What a week in a sport coming up. I can't wait. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Oh, I don't know how to follow that uh, nice piece of work there after you just started uh, coming <laughs> off the fence uh, before that. You had your off the back fence, uh, back fence piece before uh, this one. Kemp, that was really nice. It was relatively nice, um, you know. You're just uh, a nice bloke. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I'm just saying, like, the, like. See, I remember watching the likes of Grant Fox, you know, John Schuster, and Joe Stanley, John Kerr, and Terry Wright, Alan Hewson. You know what I mean? Oh, you probably don't remember that team, um, but they were the best team. They weren't. They weren't putting that team and then said the following: Put your glasses you're not back playing. On. <laughs> <laughs> you don't stab yourself in the eye with the arm of them either. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is, if you're if you're an All Black, how would you feel if you were the best fullback and you went and you were sitting on the bench or you weren't even playing? Uh, depends on the situation. If I was you've playing against Italy, you've been sold the dream. If I was, of if I was playing against Italy or Japan and there was an opportunity to have someone out for the crack and I get a rest, I wouldn't mind. You know, you give another someone else the opportunity. If the match was against the Wallabies, I'd want to be playing. So yeah, I think scenarios count. And I know what you're saying, Kimpy. You know how much risk and reward can we have into this environment? But the rel- relative factor of it is, we're going to have injuries. It's going to be injuries at the World Cup, and we don't know these players that are coming in. They haven't had, had an opportunity, and they're going to be thrown into the deep end over in the World Cup. We expect them to have a crack without any experience. I think um, that's probably the big concern for that. But, mate, like here's, a, here's one for you. Scott Barrett, playing extremely well. Samuel Whitelock, most experienced All Black ever. Who starts? Ooh, you know what I reckon? Scott Barrett. Yeah, well, I was going to say, depends. I think it depends on Sam Kane. I think the best player starts. I think, I think Sam Whitelock's your captain, right, if Sam Kane's not available. So if Sam Kane's not available, does that put Whitelock in front of the queue? Oh, potentially, yeah, because there's no one else really. Brody Retallick, does he take the armband? Well, Artie. And have a crack at Artie. You know, like Artie skipped the team before. 
So, like, yeah, I know what you're saying. Debate's coming through. There's heaps of messages. We've got to shoot off because we've got to come back with some headlines, and we'll keep this conversation going. We've got Brad Moore coming later on, but he can wait. So we'll uh, shoot off. We'll come back soon. Uh, here's Ottawa with the news. Forky Boner together. We're shaping and building New Zealand. 06. Catch live commentary of every game of the FIFA Women's World Cup on SENZ or the SENZ app. Twenty-five away from eight. You know the FIFA do a lot of things very, very well. Getting official songs isn't one of them. That is the official song of the World <laughs> Cup at the moment. It's terrible. But there you go. Uh, Keno, Who's that from? Is that by Benny? It's Benny and somebody out of Australia as well. It's an Aussie artist, like a collab. It's I don't a panda know it beer, isn't it? Pa- is it panda beer? I've got no idea. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, Kenard's hired two easy weekend. Let's have a look at our sports headlines, uh, boys. Uh, you talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Izzy. But Boston Celtics star Jalen Brown has agreed to sign the richest deal in NBA history. A Crazy money. deal. $304 million Supermax contract extension. Um, yeah, keeps him under contract until the 28-29 season. Goes over Nikola Jokic's $276 million for the How Denver Nuggets. Wow. And, uh, yeah, that is Five massive. years. Five years. It's cheap. It's cheap. <laughs> yeah. We'll break that down over Kill five Kill Mbappe, mate. He's earning double that in one year. Yeah. It's about <laughs> $60 million a year. No, too easy. Too easy. Uh, Brown averaged 26.6 points and 49% shooting last season. He'll make $31.8 million next season in the final year of his previous deal. And then is going to make $52.3 million a season right through until the last season where he makes $69.1 million in the final year of his deal. Uh, Do we boys, still have, is homelessness you? still a problem around the world? <laughs> Not in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> you would be, though. Like, honestly, if you were earning that type of money... You'd try and cure homelessness in your hometown, wouldn't you? You'd do something. You'd do you? something. You can't, I mean, you can't spend it all, can you, with that sort of money? Well, you could. Oh, right? you could. 100% you could. You'd give it a good You'd go. You'd be out there. <laughs> You'd spend it really quick, I tell you that. Oh, man, that's ludicrous money at the moment that's been floating around in sports and, um, you know, it just dwarfs some of the sports that we've been seeing on our doorsteps. Lately, ah, oh, crazy. Yeah, well, crazy I mean, and to, and to go on that actually, because I know you guys talked about this yesterday when I wasn't here, but uh, PSG have got the pit with Kylian Mbappe, right? Because he won't sign mm-hmm. a new deal, and he can leave for free next year. So they say, all right, we're going to sell you now, because they're convinced he's got a uh, a deal lined up with Real Madrid once he's free, and so they want to try and spoil that because they don't like Real Madrid and they they've got their nose out of joint. So they've said they're going to sell him now. Now Al Halal out of uh, Saudi Arabia, one of the, these new new teams has said that they'll give them 300 million euros for him now for a year and then they'll let him go for free so he can go to Real Madrid, right? And then in the meantime, they're going to pay him 600 million pounds for that season. It's a billion dollars for a year. Billion dollars for a year just to get their league up and running, right? That's because the Saudi Investment Fund has got so much money. But Sky Sports UK have done a breakdown of this. So 600 million a year is 50 million pounds a month, 11.5 million a week, 1.64 million a day, 68,500 pounds an hour, 1,100 uh, pounds a minute, and 19 pounds a second is what the breakdown is of that deal if he accepts it. And as somebody pointed out, if you were walking along the road 
and you're Kylian Mbappe and you drop the tenner out of your pocket, it's actually not worth your time to bend over and pick it up. <laughs> Go warm the Bentley up, we're off. One second, two seconds, three seconds. That's 60 pounds. Yeah, just like that. Just that is crazy, crazy money. But And that's if he accepts it. He may not accept it. So we'll have to see what happens uh, there. Because, I mean, you know, who needs that sort of money? Uh, do tradies deserve special treatment? <laughs> like Kylian Mbappe at their local Kenard's Tire Branch? Ken Oath, they do. There you go. Those are your sports news headlines. Keep your texts coming through. Double eight, double three. Coming up next is he's an old mate of yours. Yes, Brad Moore. We're going to cross over to Scotland, Edinburgh, and we'll have a chat to Brad Moore, who is assistant coach for the Scotland team. Yes, welcome back. We're going to cross over to Scotland and have a catch up with Brad Moore. He just had a meeting at 8 o'clock his time, so that was 7 a.m. here, and uh, for a coach's last-minute emergency meeting, and we'll get to him shortly. But there's plenty of messages coming through in regards to the All Blacks and the VAR. The only thing to worry about this weekend is whether the ABs can dominate and bring the physicality of the last two games. This is about the consistency in delivering the edge that the ABs haven't been able to do under Foster. We need to see more of that first 20 minutes of the Bok test. I think that's the big question now, lads, is particularly uh, about the All Blacks following up this uh, game and this opportunity against the Wallabies and being able to carry on that consistency and withstand the pressure that they've been withstanding, uh, able to in that Springboks test. So we'll wait for that to unfold this weekend. But right now, let's cross over to Scotland, Edinburgh, and catch up with the one and only Brad Moore, who is coaching the Scotland team, and he's joined us now. How you doing, Braddles? Oh, I don't know, Daggy. How are you getting on there, mate? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good, mate. I'm doing good. We're just uh, chipping into a big show, and we thought we'd cross over and have a catch up with you, mate, because uh, you've been a part of that team for a while now, and they're starting to go great guns. But you had a big, big news break a while back. Stuart Hogg, he's hanging up the boots, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, look, it's um, it's really cool to be touching base, as he's been a while, and um. Uh, nice to hear your voice, mate. So that's cool. And and I um yeah, it's been a really good uh, good time with the Scotland group. The Six Nations was a heck of mm. an exciting tournament. Great uh, great historic sort of competition to be part of, and to see it from within a camp um, playing awesome footy it was a huge privilege. And then to to be able to kick on into the World Cup space uh, and and mm. be here now for the campaign right through is is um, is just great and sort of uh, pinch myself to to be part of it. Um, Hoggy was part of that Six, uh, six Nations campaign, mm. obviously played his 100th game in that. And, um, uh, you know, as you know, as you know yourself, mate, when the, the body starts to to pick up mm. and tell you a bit that it's it's getting harder and harder to to go to the wall and, and to, to do the work and, the, and, and whatnot to play at the level that you need to play at and uh, he, he just thought that the time was right and, and um, so sadly he he mm. um, pulled plug on his stuff before I got back here and joined so uh, I'll catch up with him at some stage but um, certainly wish him well in his retirement Mate, it's, and has uh, been outstanding for the game. It's It's been awesome to watch the resurgence of Scotland rugby. What can you put that down to, mate? You've you've spent most of your time in New Zealand, but seeing them being so competitive in the Six Nations, heading to a World Cup, you must be a hell of a confident team. 
Yeah, mate, it's um, great timing, really. It's uh, it's a beautiful mm. group to be part of. Really, really collaborative, uh, curious uh, coaching staff and, and a playing group that is um, just just uh, really keen to keep on improving. And, and I think um, Greg is a really smart mind, very optimistic about how he sees the game. And uh, in, what, into his fifth or sixth year now leading the group. It's uh, you can really see the cohesion through it. So um, played some awesome rugby in the Six Nations, um, three lovely wins. Had France and Ireland under pressure at different, uh, yeah, France and Ireland under pressure at different stages, but uh, just couldn't quite finish them off. So there's great, great lessons to be learnt there, and and um, certainly can see the improvement in the group uh, now coming back in at this point. Hey, Brad, do you, when you look at it and you've been down here and you've seen how it works down this end of the world and you're up there, the Six Nations, you've got all the Northern Hemisphere uh, club competitions that go on, do you see that as the benefit for Scotland, the teams like Scotland, that they're benefiting from the, the tough competitions up there as opposed to down here? Yeah, well, look, I think um, with, the, with the Scottish group in particular, you get quite a, a group that comes together to represent the country that is, is playing a, a variety of styles in, in, uh, in different competitions. So you've got the lads from Glasgow and Edinburgh playing in the mm. in the URC, which has become stronger and stronger. Um, there's a, a number of, of players playing in the English Premiership, which you know, is, it, um, is tough and physical and, um, and, and challenges the body in, in different ways. And then you've got likes of Finn playing and who has been playing in France and, and getting uh, experience in that space playing at racing up until now. So you, the, the, the benefit of that is you get guys that are seen being coached in different ways and they see the game differently. And the amount of different styles that you're watching to watch the players um, is quite fertile ground. There's different benefit in that. Oh, it's been interesting to watch. What about your development, Braddles? Yeah, like uh, you, you spent all your time back here in New Zealand. You've made the shift. You coached over in Wales. Now you're coaching in Scotland. Have you seen your kind of coaching style evolve? Have you had to change much to head to the north? Oh, mate, great question. You're doing well in this gig, aren't you, Daddy? You good <laughs> stuff, mate. Um, yeah, look, it's been a real privilege to be part of different um, places, I, I just loved it. Um, I love the mm. the changing nature and cultures of, of the people that you, you you're joining and what you can learn from them, how they see the game. I think my alignment in um, in you know at, at Scarlets as a club whose DNA was about playing attacking rugby and in the style of the Phil Bennetts of this world are just fantastic. Um, Rest his soul now. Um, said passing earlier last year, but the the and then and then the Scotland group as well. You know, it just aligns with how I love seeing the game played and 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 um, and being able to to watch Gregor and his coaching staff operate mm. and then rub um, different different little bits of pieces in here and there has, has been um, really cool. So it, it's it's just an exciting. Mm. Um, space to be in, to be able to go around, to, to be able to be in different environments at different stages. So that's been great. 
Brad, nice. do, do, you've, you've had uh, you've obviously had the draw for a while, and you know I imagine when you got the draw, you looked at it and went, oh, you've got the we've got South Africa, we've got Ireland. Those going to be those going to be uh, the teams we have to get over the top of uh, to to get out of the pool. And then all of a sudden, Tonga announced guys like Charles Piertau via Fafita. Well, <laughs> what, you know, what have you made of of the way they came together and knocked over Australia A the other day? And and how does that change the way you maybe approach the pool? Oh, just superb, isn't it? It's a great thing. I, this it's a World Cup. You expect it to be strong, and and you expect mm. you expect the the pool to be tough. And and I think that's that's magnificent. I think the the, the tougher the better. You know how how better to start a campaign than against South Africa and Marseille. What a what a great litmus test for us. And just see, it's been really exciting. And then and then Tonga and Nice and. Remain here in Lille and then uh, finish off the pool stuff with uh, Ireland and Paris. Wow, that's uh, that's goosebump material, isn't it? So we'll certainly know where we're at, and um, mm. I think that's great. And I, look, we had I had the pleasure of um, of meeting and working with Charles Piatau, Izzy Falau, um, uh in the in the uh, the World Fifteen recently, and look, those guys are. Are in great nick and and uh, are going to cause some headaches. So even even better to to be able to to see those fellas again and you know and three or four Italian guys are in that group as well when we're getting ready to play Italy this Saturday. So we we're not um, we don't need to look too far ahead to get excited about an opportunity that's coming up this week to finally um, put the Scotland jersey on and and go into battle at Murrayfield against against a very good Italian opposition as well. Beautiful, Brad Moore. We appreciate you coming on the show, mate. You're, I know you're busy. You ride into your work, and uh, you're heading into a, a big couple of weeks as you try and gain some momentum heading to the World Cup, mate. Thank you so much, Brad Moore, out of Scotland. Appreciate your time, but I know you're living by yourself, so you'll probably just be going to bed, watch a bit of Netflix, and chill because uh, your family's over here in Christchurch holding the fort down. So enjoy your bachelor time, and and thanks very much. You're a champ, mate. Anna's doing a great job at home. It's beautiful. Good man. <laughs> Take care. Awesome. See you later, Brad. All right, that was Brad Moore. That was uh, night and day. Got the right tools to brew up a hell of a coffee. Just four dollars fifty if you want to. Nine bucks. Kimpy shout back soon. <laughs> Right now at Chemist Warehouse, find a flam sore throat spray, 30 mil for only $18.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee or a nice wee pie to get you going from night and day. $4.50 at your local. Get it and enjoy the next couple of hours ahead. That was our Tradies Hour. Great to catch up with Brad Moore and talk about Scotland rugby and potentially. And we had a message from Chris coming through. I think South Africa and Scotland get out of that pool. And Ireland always peak a wee bit early. So Chris reckons Ireland won't even get out of the pool. It's hard to think that. But, I, I, yeah, I think it's a great call. You know, we haven't seen Ireland get out of the quarterfinals, get past the quarterfinals. They're world number one them in France, and uh, France, French, they've been there in the finals but haven't been able to push on. So World Cups, they bring uh, the best and they bring some some surprises to many outfits. Coming up, we've got Rosie White. She had a great call last night on the airways with Sky Sport and she's going to join us. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together shaping and building New Zealand. Joint health and muscle comfort with the anti-flam range from Chemist Warehouse starting from 1899. This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ.
And that's it. Mark Max Darling with the ball. Time winds down on the Sales NBL 2023 season. And your champions are the Canterbury Rams. They can smell it. They can taste it. They can feel it. They have it. The Philippines. Hold on. The Philippines. An earth-shattering result. A soul-crushing defeat for New Zealand. Bolden's goal after 24 minutes. The difference between the two sides. And the Philippines in their very first World Cup have beaten the co-hosts by one goal to nil. Gillen trying to pick out Sam Kerr. Cushioned beautifully and finished off. It's her first touch of the night. Rosie White puts it home. Sam Kerr selfless. 4-0 to Chicago. Yes, welcome back. Just after 8 o'clock, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, SCNZ. Plenty of water still lying around in Christchurch, but I can see a blue sky out there, and I can see a horse eating away there in the paddock. So, silver as happy as anything. Well, we're not so happy because our football ferns went down. Daniel McCarty and Lily Alfeld. Great call live here on SCNZ last night. Oh... Hearing that call, the Philippines got the job done in that performance. We're going to talk to Rosie White about that in a wee while's time, and I cannot wait to rip into this chat because there is plenty going on. This whole entire show, I cannot get the VAR out of my head. I don't know why. I don't know why, but it's just in me head. There needs to be some clarity on that call because when you're leaning forward and you're getting yourself in a position to get in front of your defender, and your shoulder and your hand, potential head, is in front of them. You should not punish someone for being ready to get past them. It should be put solely on their feet. Well, Hannah Wilkinson's feet were right behind that defender and just better to the punch. Got got in front and obviously we know it unfolded with Jackie Hand's header to equalise. But no, it wasn't meant to happen. And well, Chase from Waiku confirms that as well. A shoulder. If half your body is in front, fair enough. But be to, to be denied by a shoulder is ridiculous. That is from Chase and Waiuku. And Rosie White, former football fern, Liverpool player, and had a great call last night on uh, Sky Sport. And she did a stellar job. But I know she'll be disappointed this morning because we had our fair share of chances. We dominated possession, but we weren't able to get the job done. Rosie White, how are you doing? Good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us. Um, it's been a lot talked about this morning, and I couldn't really sleep last night post that. I was so disappointed compared to last Thursday when I was just so aesthetic and I couldn't believe what unfolded. We went into this game as dead set favourites, and we weren't able to get the job done. Are you disappointed? Is there a, a lot of missed opportunities? Like, what do you, what do you make of it all? Yeah, well, welcome to the journey of being a uh, football fern fan. <laughs> um, a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, I think you. I, I think I said it last night. You can never predict what's going to happen. Um, I mean, all of the games in the World Cups has been upsets. There's things that you can't predict, and um, I know 
I'm disappointed. I know the team will be super disappointed in the result. Um, yeah, had had the, their fair share of opportunities to score. Um, you know, like I think the Philippines came out with a pretty clear game plan, and it and it actually worked for them really well. So I think yeah, there'll be a lot of reflection. And the good thing is there's there's still hope. You know, it's um, again a pretty cool and unique position to be in. They go and win the next game, and they could come out of the top of the group still. Um, so if the dream is still alive, but it's made it a little bit harder now. Hindsight's a beautiful thing, and you think potentially changes tactically that we approach this game with the right tactics. Um, were we outcoached, outthought? Alan Stanich in the Philippines, what he's done for the Philippines side to get them from 90th into 47th, 6th position and doing what they're doing. Their first goal, first win at a World Cup. Yeah, I think you can see that, you know, Alan Stanich, the, uh, the coach, recognises um, the limitations and the skill set of his team. Um, you know, they play with really uh, tight, compact defence and then they're looking for opportunities to catch teams on the counter-attack and try and get um, set plays further up the field and that's exactly how they caught the Ferns off guard um, you know and I think the Ferns tried to play a little bit more fluid uh, kind of flipping in, in between formations and trying to cause problems for their defenders because they knew they were going to sit in those banks um, I think just couldn't quite um, find the fluidity that they were looking for. And, um, yeah, I think probably just, yeah, I think they'll be a little disappointed with the, the execution of the of the plan. They looked a little bit rattled from the, um, the Philippines' defence, didn't they? Yeah, I think they had a hard time um, breaking it down. I think it's, again, pretty unfamiliar territory for the Ferns to be dominating position so high up the field um, and to have so much of the ball in their attacking third. Um, and I think just, yeah, couldn't couldn't find enough creative ways to um, look really dangerous. Um, yeah, had lots of possession, but just had a hard time creating really clear opportunities um, and in saying that they did create some pretty clear opportunities <laughs> um, one very unfortunate offside and um, you know had, had their chances and just weren't clinical enough Rosie, what about the, uh, you know, I mean, I know we just talked about tactically there, but what about personnel-wise? I know it's hard to change a winning team, but when you've got mm. a team that you know is going to line up, they, they did it against the Swiss with five at the back plus the keeper, um, you, you know, would you would were you surprised they didn't have more of those ball players that that can beat players one on one and take players out of the equation? The players like Annalie Longo and Live Chance from the start. Yeah, I yeah I think that was probably um, in the back of the coach's mind. I think that's probably why you saw the changes so early at halftime um, and potentially um, could have been a bit of a game changer having the likes of Annalie Longo on the field from start of the game um but it's, it's a really hard call obviously both of those players um you'd want to be in there but then they've both been injured they're both kind of on the way back um but yeah i mean potentially it could have been helpful to have you, you saw the difference they made when they came on and mm. um, especially in Lee longo like just just having that creativity in the midfield always wanting to get in the ball and um i think yeah that the Verns missed that a little bit in the first half um so potentially, they, yeah. they start 
they start for the, uh, against the Swiss. You get them out there. We've seen what they were able to do on those edges, creating in the middle, kicking the ball. Being adventurous, that's what you want from a team. And we're going to see that because that's what they do when their backs are against the wall. But I'm going to bring it up. The VAR. What do you think of it? Do we need clarity on the VAR? A shoulder in front of the defender. That's just, that just means they're ready. They're, they're more prepared and ready to, to, to chase that through ball. Yeah, I know. VAR is either your best friend or your worst enemy. Um, mm. I, I mean, it's it's heartbreaking to see how close that was. It almost looked like it was just half of her face that was offside um, because the defender's arm looked to be in the same position. But, I mean, I don't know. It, the thing is, you can't really argue it. Um, the technology is there for the purpose of, you know, removing the, the bias. Um and it just sucks when you're on the, on the receiving end of it. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so, so close. Are you a fan of this technology? Are we, are we relying too much on this technology? Should we, are we taking the focuses, focus away from the referees? Like, it's an all sport. Technology is a part mm. of everything. Tennis, you got the challenge, you got the captain's challenge in rugby, uh, you've got the challenges uh, everywhere. You know, apart from golf, you know, if the ball doesn't go in the hole, you miss out. But, you know, are we relying too much on technology? I think the cat's out of the bag. I don't think there's any way to, um, you know, go back on it now. I think, you know, removing bias from sport is. I'm a just good being thing. salty. <laughs> but yeah, I'm 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 feeling I'm feeling super salty about it too. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to hear what I'm saying as it's happening. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one <laughs> when you're in our position. If it was if it was roles reverse, would be we'd be praising it. We'd be loving it. Hundred <laughs> percent. So what? So what about the Swiss uh, Swiss Rosie down in Dunedin? They um, I don't know what the weather's going to be like for them. What 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 do we need to be? I guess, um, aware of with, with this game? Yeah, I think the Swiss game will be um, a little more similar to the Norwegian game. Um, a pretty, like, structured European side. Um, they've got, again, some really, um, like, world-class players. Ramona Bachmann is, is definitely one to watch out for. Um, so I, and I wonder if the Ferns will kind of go back to how they started that Norwegian game. Um the Swiss tied the, the Norwegians last night 0-0, so pretty low-scoring group. Um, I think, yeah, they're probably more familiar territory for the Ferns, um, a team that they've played before um, and have familiarity with. So hopefully they can kind of go back to um, the way they went out against the Norwegians. That's what we're all hoping for. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what the weather's going to be like. It's going to be hitting that roof. It's going to be dry as anything, and it's going to be a beautiful <laughs> afternoon under the stadium rooftop down there in Dunedin. I cannot wait to see a dry ball, because last night when the ball went through, it skidded, it skidded, and it just got away from us. So we won't be having the same effect conditions-wise. But just just about park the result. Like, How proud of you have, have you been of the football ferns and what this has done for a country of football is for the young generation coming. Look, I'm a, I haven't watched a hell of a lot of football, but I've been watching these last this FIFA World Cup and it's turned me into a fan and a supporter of, of football. It's a great game to watch. 
Yeah, it is. I mean, it's so incredible just being a part of this atmosphere. I think what the firms did in their first game, um, you know, turned a lot of Kiwis on to paying attention to what a huge event this is. Um, and I and I hope people are realizing, you know, this is football is huge around the world, um, and I think we're kind of scratching the surface of its potential in New Zealand, and um, it's only going in one direction, and it's growing so rapidly um, in the women's game. So I think for the Kiwis to be able to have captured the the attention of our local audience is, is so special, um, and, you know, they've made history in winning the first game um, in a World Cup for men or women, um, and I don't think we should undervalue what they've done um, and what they still have to do yet. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's so good, Rosie. What, what, what else uh, um, in and around the tournament, what team do you like? Who do you think are the, are the team to beat? Um, uh, just watching the, the Germans play the other night, they looked pretty convincing, a 6-0 win. Um, obviously, the US um, didn't come out and totally dominate their first game, but they've got so many, so much star power. Um, you know, they could field a couple of first 11 teams with who they've got sitting on the bench. Um, so those in Japan, Japan also is looking pretty hot. Um, those would be my, my three to watch so far. It was a good uh, good debut in the commentary box for you last night, Rosie. Uh, what were you more nervous doing, running out uh, at Liverpool for the first time, or or uh, sitting next to <laughs> next to Piney for Sky Sports last night? <laughs> I was pretty nervous last night. I'm not going to lie; my watch kept telling me to relax. Um, <laughs> oh, that was the partially the the standings of the game, or just because I knew I had to comment on it. Um, but I enjoyed it a lot. Piney was fantastic to, to work with and um, yeah it's, it's easy to comment on, on the players you know a lot about um, but hopefully hopefully we can do it all, all again and next one won't be the last one Beautiful, thank you so much for joining us Rosie White talking about the Football Ferns unlucky last night but they've got another chance to create history and we're hoping it because that pool is just anyone's game at the moment. There's one point separating uh, top and second. And then obviously Norway, Norway. Who would have thought they'd be on one point sitting lonely at the bottom after two rounds? Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. All the best for the rest of your calls on Sky Sport with Piney. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. It wouldn't be a show without Cameron coming through and giving me a little bit of stick and bringing up Super <laughs> Rugby Final. Is he you're a fan of the referee and technology after Super Final? It sucks when you're on the side, it doesn't it? What are you in reference to? That forward pass was missed by the TMO, uh, by the touch judge. Are you talking about that one? Are you talking about Damien McKenzie when he was five metres offside? Not a shoulder. Not a foot. Not a toe. I don't know, Cameron. You have to confirm it. Just give me a little bit of clarity on that, Cammy. I think me and you have to get up in that ring and do a bit of fight for life. That's enough of that. <laughs> Dino, are you listening? Dino Lonigan, are you listening? Is he there? No. Fight for life. Oh, there's a big fight coming up anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Fight for life coming up in a, in a wee while's time. Well, and uh, two co-main event. Week. Yeah, yeah, that's no, going to be good, mate. It's going to yeah. be good. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely definitely do that at some point. But uh, now it's interesting to hear from Rosie, you know, from somebody who's been there mm. as a football fern and played the game at that level. Just, uh, you know, even <laughs> even she's not convinced by the technology. Uh, I, I know mm. probably we wouldn't be having this conversation, as she said, if it went the other way. But 
you know, I think at the end of the day, if, if you're offside, you're offside. That's uh, that's. I, I, yeah. I, I, I don't think you can argue it any other way. It's it's the law might be wrong, but it was interpreted correctly mm. by the officials. Why do yeah, you, but you why can't do you blame need, the officials. Why do you need touch judges? Why, well, the touch judges are there for throw-ins as well as offsides and for seeing other things that the referee might miss, other incidents the referee might miss. So the, the linos do flag, but they're told it's for the tight ones. Like I mean, that was so tight. You know, it came. they had to go upstairs. It took them a minute to figure it out. I couldn't believe the technology. Like when that laser beam just came on the park through the through the TV screens and it showed the whole three D dynamic of it. I was like, "Wow, this technology is absolutely crazy." But um, no, you're right. Like the rules are the rules. Shoulder is part of your body, and that was in front. Um, I just think clarity, like you know, like because you're getting punished for being in a better position to attack the ball. Basically, your her foot and her feet were behind by you know couple of centimetres and uh, she was just in a, a better position to launch herself um, to go forward. But hey, that's the rules and the rules. They had their chances. They dominated possession and they weren't able to to get a part of, uh, to get the job done in the end. They've still got a chance taking on Switzerland. You had gave them no chance against Norway. Have they got any chance, um, Rick Dog? Well, I think that the cat's out of the bag in terms of, you know, the, the, mm. the, the way we played against the Norwegians. So the Swiss will probably be a bit cagier. Mm. Uh, but then the yep. Swiss, on paper at least, aren't as good a team. They are a very good team, but they're not as good a team. I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance that the that the, the Ferns do get a win. They'll have a, a packed stadium behind them. Uh, they need to do that. It'll be interesting to see what Yitka Klimkova does with the team, who she starts, what changes she makes. Um, I thought Grace Jale looked really good that last mm. 10 minutes that she had in that game as well. Will she get an opportunity? Um, and then obviously, mm. you know, Flea, Annalie Longo and, and, and Liv Chance looked really, really good as well. And, you know, India Pedro Riley, I, I thought they took her off too early. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Oh, man, love it. Passionate as always. And some of our listeners are very, very passionate. I appreciate double eight double three on the tip of bedpost text machine. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. We'll shoot off, lads. Have a little breather, and we'll come back. Cause we've got a big part of the show still coming up. We've got Judd Flavel, and we finally tracked him down. He was the NBL Canterbury Rams coach after their first win title in thirty one years, nineteen ninety two. So he's coming up as well. So stay tuned. Support joint health and muscle comfort with the anti-flam range from Chemist Warehouse starting from 1899. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Yes, it's 25 past eight. Kempi, have you got the Knights winning this weekend from Pony? No, Obviously, they upset no. the storm, taking on the Raiders. Yeah, where did that come from? Yeah. No, well, Jesus, storm, they, they struggled a little bit there. Um I see that uh, Craig Bellamy's dropped a couple of centres too and made a couple of changes. Big Nelson ain't playing this week. Uh, Newcastle against Canberra after last week. I think they'll be hurting going back home uh, to Canberra. Newcastle travelling all the way down there. It's a fair bus ride. Uh, doubt whether they'll fly down there. Um, but I, I really can't see... You know, Canberra, Canberra are sitting quite pretty in the top eight. I think they, they get the job done. What about the Rabbitohs, mate? Going down against it's, the Broncos. Latrell Mitchell... Um, is he back? Is he back in the fold? Yep. So he's back. He's back playing this weekend, uh, which is fantastic because I think Souths need him uh, if they're mm. any chance of 
uh, push him towards that uh, top four, especially. Um, so, uh, you know, he's been out for quite a while. That's the only problem. So he missed the whole the, the state of origin. Uh, you know, he was meant to come back last week. They could rest him for another week. They lost that game against the Broncos. And uh, bring him back against a obviously a team that's really struggling, but he needs some he needs some games under his belt, you know. Big man playing in fullback, which is uh, the one of the hardest positions to play as far as um, your fitness goes. The, the question is, how much fitness does he need uh, before they mm. start getting getting towards the back end of the year in the semis? What do you make of what's going on at the Dogs at the moment, mate? They, they, they've been absolutely towelled up and they've been get, getting absolutely roasted. Uh, now, uh, apparently, Raymond Faitalamarana, yeah. who's, who's the captain, has been told he can do one. He can leave. Uh, you can you can, you can disappear. Oh, wow. um, so they're, they're, they're cleaning house. They're getting rid of him. And the other one I saw is, and this seems like maybe a bit of a, I don't know, to get your take on it, Kempi, but a bit of a desperate ploy. Sio Tokiaho, who's who yeah. left the Roosters to go play Super League, which is kind of basically halfway to retirement. Uh, they're going to spend a million dollars on him to bring him back. Yeah, well, there's not that many front rowers in the competition, and 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 uh, Sio's done well with the Sydney City Roosters before he'd know to the Catalan. So, um, answer your first question around Fotelo Marana. Uh, a lot. He's club captain. It's sort of been blindsided. He's making a lot of noise about it. But I will say one thing. I learned this really early in my football career. There's no loyalty in, in club land. You know, um, it's very, very rarely where you see a club really bend over backwards when it comes to, to rosters these days, especially, and say that they'll bend over and, and keep you there. Um, and what he's finding out at the moment is that they're still trying to build a team. There's talk of Jerome Luai going there. Uh, they need to free up some some extra money to bring players there. Uh, alongside Crichton, who joins them next year, you know, and and they're still building Canterbury. So. I'm not surprised that, that they're doing that, Rick. Uh, yep, yeah, you know, Sears a, a big signing to come back from Catalans, but mate, there just isn't the stock the front rowers going around at the moment in the competition to, to spread the competition with an extra team in here. Does that do you, do you think then now that they're finding this with the Dolphins right in this season, does this delay the 18th team? Well. You see, the, the CBA that's been talked about at the moment, and there's another another issue with that, you know, now they're saying that the players don't know what's going on and Volandes is coming out and making more noise than the CEO, Abdo. Um, the the whole purpose of the CBA, I think, for the NR, from the NRL perspective, is to get 18 teams in a 30-week 30, a 30 competition into the, into the NRL. You know, so 18, 18 teams, more games. Um, they, they're talking about what this window looks like for Origin. They'll probably have to change that. Uh, the problem you got, like you've just pointed out, Rick, is I don't think they have the stock. You know, because I think that's why you've seen the competition the way that it is this year, and why it's yeah. so close through those first thirteen sides. Is that when you're getting down to those lower sides, like Benji, Benji can't go out and buy stock. You know, he's got to pay overs. He's he's paid a million dollars for two fine um, new brothers, fine new brothers from like their younger brother played for Manly. He's he he's in jail now, um, but he's one of that Farno that played really well. They played New South Wales, but they're only at under nineteen. But you're paying overs to try and get people. So the competition for talent it becomes a really false economy as far as talent goes, and when you're at the bottom. It's really hard to get talent. When you're at the top, it's really hard to hold it. You know, so you're talking about, uh, you know, Dylan Edwards just signed a four point one million dollar contract to stay at Penrith for till 2027. 
that probably reckons that Jerome Luai has to go. You know, so who picks him up? Can- Canterbury's the one who's talking about that at the moment. But when the when the it's great for players because there's not enough mm. good quality players going around, especially in, in key positions. There's a lot going on in the NRL, in particular with the Dolphins. We're going to shoot off soon, but the Dolphins started with a hiss and a roar, and they're just starting to run out of gas. Got the job done over the weekend, but yeah, they've been pretty pretty mixed bag last couple of months here, Kempi. Which was always going to be the case, eh? As you know, mm. like. Their senior mm. players have done so well for them. They've lost um, Kafusi again. He's out for four weeks with suspension. He's spent more time on the sidelines than he has in the team this year. Depth was always the problem, wasn't it? Depth, depth is a problem. Um, mm. And, you know, up against Canterbury this weekend, you know, you'd, you'd think that Canterbury, it's one, it's one of those games that is split where you, when they're on the road. You don't know who to pick, you know, because Canterbury are a bit scratchy too. You know, Penrith ran a number on them on the weekend. Nathan Cleary back, just, you know, how good is he? coming back at the right time for the final. So uh, the Dolphins, yeah, now they're making signings themselves. They're signing their players to longer-term contracts. But, you know, I think that's probably their run done. They're definitely um, not going to be pushing for the eight. I think when you're looking at the eight on the ladder, I think it's there. I think it's right there. Mm. You know, that eight, you know, when you're looking at eight, maybe nine and ten have a, have a little bit of a crack. But definitely eight, nine, they're the ones playing to push into the eight. I think the rest of them just need to sort themselves out because that board is so tight on win-losses. The the, the hardest run home, Cronulla, Parramatta, definitely. Penrith got a a little bit of a run home up the top there. Um, Melbourne, you know, the the, the easiest runs are are us. The Warriors Mm. have got got such a favourable run home. You're going to kick yourself if we don't take advantage of these next five games. And speaking of the Warriors, Andrew Webster on Running It Straight this afternoon with you, Kempi, 2pm to 3pm. Listen on air or live streaming on YouTube to get your Andrew Webster fix 2 to 3 this afternoon, Running It Straight. And speaking of Running It Straight, Paulie Moati will be hitting us right between the nostrils. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. Welcome back. We're 25 away from 9, double eight, double three, Timber Bedpost, text machine. Just back, Nabba, all day today at Cambridge. Cam from Cambridge is giving us a little lead in. Well, let's find out from the anchor himself as TAB catch up with Paulie Moati. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. And Paulie Moati, Nabba, all day at Cambridge. Sure thing, surely. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I'd, I'll be getting on myself. <laughs> yes. And don't, don't forget, we've got that postponed meeting from Sunday, Oamaru, uh, on today as mm. well. And that means there are two guaranteed 25k Lake Quaddies, uh, one at Cambridge Synthetic and one at Oamaru. So there's plenty of action uh, up north and down south. Uh, and plenty of chances for punters to have a go and get on. So, yeah, I'll let you and Kempe stop something today. I'm just saying <laughs> I do like the look of Mr McNabb. Well, speaking of stopping, it sounds like you didn't stop last night after the football ferns lost to the Philippines in Wellington. <laughs> no, I just got a bit of a, I got a, bit of a, a sniffle, so um, the nose is all blocked up. Um, 
not a hundred percent, but um, still, it was a it was a massive game. The atmosphere mm. was fantastic at the stadium last night, and we just didn't get the result uh, that we wanted. And uh, now, even though we didn't get the result we didn't uh, we wanted, um, ten thirty yesterday morning, we paid out uh, New Zealand to qualify from Group A. So anyone who had a bet, a single bet, on New Zealand to qualify from Group A before 10.30 yesterday morning, um, you've already been paid out as a winner. Is that person still working? (laughs) (laughs) Was that you, Paul? (laughs) They might be working for SNZ very, very soon. (laughs) <laughs> oh, awesome. Oh, I love the TAB, mate. They're always thinking about their punters, their loyal supporters, mate. Uh, obviously, plenty going on in the racing world, sporting world. What do you got? Any promotions that we should be looking out for heading into giving us a little lead into any bets? Well, of course, we've got the correct school bonus back on the uh, Women's Football World Cup uh, games, and that has proved very, very popular with punters. Uh, you just place a pre-match correct score bet uh, on any of the FIFA Women's World Cup games, and you'll get a bonus bet up to $50 if you select the right result but get the wrong score. So there weren't too many of them going out uh, after last night's result uh, here in Wellington. Weren't too many that were picking uh, the Philippines to win. Um, but... I can tell you, it looks like there's a couple of games that you can get on tonight because uh, Mm. there are a couple of very, very hot favourites. The Japanese, who are very, very good in their first game, taking on Costa Rica. They're very hot favourites there. Uh, So a correct score bet there on the Japanese um, will probably, probably give you an opportunity, if not to win some money, then to get a uh, bonus bet. And the Spanish, uh, who are another... Very impressive team in their first game. They're playing Zambia um, tonight as well, uh, and they're very, very warm as well. I think the Japanese are around a dollar five against the Costa Ricans, uh, and the Spanish are fairly similar. So two hot favourites are going around later today and tonight. Uh, the Japanese and the Spanish have already been very well backed in the head-to-head market, but you might want to have a little a uh, correct score bet on both of those teams. And maybe, if you don't win, you'll pick up a bonus bet. Well, speaking of winners, Chris has text through uh, a message earlier on this morning, double eight double three. He got on Philippines at nine bucks. So, if was he the only one? Was the others out there that picked the Philippines? No, no. There were there were a number of uh, punters who backed the oh. Philippines, as you say, at around nine dollars. Um, and there were there was quite a uh, a few Philippine supporters at the stadium last night as well. Um, so there's obviously a, a, a nice, um, I guess, Philippine community uh, in New Zealand, and they turned out in their droves last night. Obviously, there's a few that have travelled from the Philippines to support the team. Um, so, yeah, it was a really, really good atmosphere last night, just for most of the crowd. We just didn't get the result that we wanted, but we still have a chance. We're taking on Switzerland in the final, uh, uh, in our final pool game. The Swiss, they're $2 favourites. Uh, the football ferns three sixty, and the draws at three dollars and ten cents. Um, so we still have an opportunity. If we beat the Swiss, we're in. Um, if we have a draw, then we I think we have to rely on what happens in the 
a Norway-Philippines match. So um, it, they're not done yet, the football ferns. They've still got an opportunity to qualify from the group. Beautiful, Paulie Moati. Appreciate your time, mate. You get back to bed and, and rest up. I know you've got a big day coming on other shows. So thanks so much for your time, mate. Take care, and uh, we'll chat to you tomorrow. That was Cheers. Paulie Moati. Watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly, R18. Judd Flavel. Flavel, we've finally tracked him down. He's going to join us next. <laughs> yeah, definitely feeling better. I, I wish I could say it was because of the celebrations, but it was just a, a massive week of uh, you know three intense games and not too many hours of sleep with myself and the, probably mm. the players as well and other coaches. But uh, look, yeah, we got it done and uh, enjoying the... Uh, uh, I guess the rewards now. Mate, you should not feel bad. I would be still going 100% if I won my first title in 31 years, mate. How good. You went to, you got over the Hawks and obviously a tight game, had to go to OT. You go up against the high flying Toyotara and you're up against a squad that's had it all throughout the year, but you put them on the pressure and you went through on a 22 run. And you won convincingly, mate. How proud are you of that group and what they've been able to achieve? Yeah, just really proud. Like, closing our games hadn't been our, our uh, strength, I guess, throughout the season. We sort of, uh, obviously, we had a great season. Um, but mm. there were always, you know, uh, I guess, areas of, uh, that we knew that we weren't just quite, um, or that we needed to brush up on. And, and I guess, heading into finals basketball, we know that, I guess the game slows down somewhat and it becomes a little bit more of a grind and, uh, you know, you just, uh, in that situation there, it's, um, you've got to be on point with a lot of different things and, and, and we really got stronger and stronger, as you say. Like, we had a great finish to that and put the Tour Tara under some little bit of pressure and, and maybe that was a little bit of a difference between the teams. Just uh, We've sort of been, I guess... Uh, dealing with pressure or adversity throughout the season, got used to it and, and had to sort of learn our lessons along the way and, and felt quite comfortable when, when it got down to the stretch. Hey, Judd, was it was it um, part of the plan when you got through to Tuatara to, to uh, I guess, put some pressure on Rob Lowe? Oh, he was, you know, no doubt the, the big uh, or the, the head of the snake, or so to speak, or just the... The MVP and deservedly so, uh, great player. He had just dominated all season, and we had to. Yeah, I mean, he was um, just control. Like, it's not just his points that he scores; it's uh, just his impact on the fingerprints that he has on all over the game. You know, rebounding, taking taking away, sort of. Um, I guess what he does defensively. He is six foot eleven, so he covers a lot of ground. He's a very smart player. So, yeah, what, what we did defensively was to try to negate him as much as we could and his influence. It did mean that we kind of were exposed a little bit in other areas. Um, you know, we really sort of sat off, I guess, the young fella, Charlie Dalton, uh, the 18-year-old, and, and asked some big questions of him, you know, in, in a grand final match. Was he going to be up to sort of... Um, I guess living to that to the uh, expectations, and uh, yeah, it worked out for us. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I think uh, it went a long way to to getting the, the result. What'd you say to Walter Brown, mate? Because he was an absolute menace out there. You see those long locks running around, just putting pressure <laughs> everywhere. 
he's a throwback, isn't he? He's uh, he's out of the <laughs> 80s or something like that with that hair, and um, even with the way he plays, just no nonsense. Doesn't even you know he just he could go all day. He's just uh, a guy. I think over those three games in four days, mm. himself and Tevin Brown played um, the most minutes for us, and he just um, that's just him, man. I think that's just uh, him and his family. Um, you know, they tell the, I guess, uh, why he's so loved down here. Um, mm. Everybody just uh, gravitates towards him because he's just no nonsense. He just gets on with the job. And, you know, to be honest, I didn't have to say anything to him, really, outside of what <laughs> he used to do. He just, uh, that's just who he is. And, um, you know, great player, great, you know, young uh, man, what is he, 20 years old, just in 20 years old. And, yeah, huge, mm. huge future for him. And, um he was just a, a massive part to our contribution, his contribution to our uh, success this season. Yeah, Judd, I do have to say, mate, when we said that you were coming on, I immediately got a message from a mate of mine who you'll not be surprised to know is in the Hawks Bay. Uh, he said, "Oh, for God's sake, it's Wednesday. We're still hearing about the Rams winning the basketball." Um, I know, I know, you've spent a bit of time in that part of the world, mate. And of course, you had that uh, uh, that controversial win over over the Hawks. Uh, you, you get many salty messages from uh, your old mates down in the Hawks Bay. <laughs> Oh, look, i got some good mates down in Hawke's Bay. And, and, of course, you know, I think everybody, um, you know, straight after it was a bit raw for them. Um, but, you know, I think uh, in sport and in basketball in particular, there are like a million little calls or no calls throughout the game. It just, you know, it is a little bit unfortunate that that one was highlighted. Um, but, uh, look, that is, that is sport. I, I guess we've all seen different things. And, um, you know, the, the Hawks were a tough outfit. Uh, but look, we had to overcome some things as well throughout that game, that fourth quarter, and, and especially in the overtime. But yeah, I mean, the, the competition this year in the NBA was just so tough. I mean, any one of those teams could have walked away with their championship. What what about for you, mate? Now as a coach as well. Obviously, you've done time in the in the Aussie NBL as as an assistant um, with a couple of different teams, including the Phoenix. Um, You've won this. You've done pretty well with the Southland Sharks in the in the past. What's your plan? Yeah, plan at the moment just um, really like I've stepped aside from the Australian NBL, you know, last season and, and this season. You know, I've turned down a couple of jobs there just to uh, sort of focus in a little bit on the family and um, uh, as the family sort of getting, um, you know, you're starting to grow up a little bit and and um, but look, you know, we'll see. I mean, my my time here in Canterbury enjoying my time here and, and with the organisation and, and helping out wherever I can. They've got a, a Polkai team that's playing in the Tohi League, uh, the Women's Basketball League, and which is exciting. And so I'm sort of just helping out with that in the background. But, um, yeah, look, as a coach, you're always looking for new challenges and, and uh, new opportunities as well. And um, so, yeah, at this stage, sort of open to anything. And if, if there's... Uh, things out there but um yeah really sort of happy with where i'm at as well oh well done mate well done on taking out the nbl first time 31 years and i know everyone around canterbury region will be extremely proud to seeing the rams lift that trophy come the end of uh sunday night so well done mate and continue on celebrating don't let us stop you all right brother and hope you get better soon <laughs> all right cheers boys cheers there, there he is Charlie Flavel talking about that. We'll shoot off, we'll come back, and we'll catch up with Smithy.